This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I want to speak to you this morning, um, and I just let me read 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 first. It says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And so um, Cindy came to see me earlier this week. And um, it was so good because I don't often get to, to enough time to speak to enough people. So I really appreciated the fact that she came to chat to me. And she was just talking about a couple of things that were on her heart. And one of the subjects that we touched on was what's going on in America today and the significance of what's happening in that. And she was saying to me that it was like, she, do we as a church really focus enough on that and speak enough about that? Do we have uh, and present enough of a biblical worldview on things? And so I thought a lot about that. And, and so the thing for me is this, my view on it is, the, is, is this. There's so much stuff going on in, in America today. And the funny thing is when I speak to everybody, nobody's unaware of it. The question that I most frequently get asked is, so what are we supposed to do about it? How are we empowered? <laughs> Somebody in the back room. Um, what do we do about it? What is the answer? What is the solution? And so the thing about it is for me, very much a lot of what we speak about are spiritual answers to things. And I, I perhaps you could focus a little bit more and give more examples from, um, you know, a world perspective. But in, in looking at those things, I'm a very firm believer when I, when I appraise the situation that the answer doesn't lie in what the world is doing. It lies in God. But our ability to be able to understand what that actually means is important for us as the body of Christ. God is doing some stuff and it's important for us to understand what it is that he's doing because it's not only going to affect me and affect my world and my life and my children and my family, but the intention is that we actually take spiritual principles and use them to affect the world around about us, our neighborhoods, our schools, our environment. And so what I, what my heart is this. My heart is to empower you to walk into some spiritual truths so that you're able to partner with God and make some meaningful impact and influence in these things. So I'm going to kind of take a little bit of a, a filter through that, through that lens as we kind of journey today. Um, to touch on a couple of things that we, we spoke about last week, and then I, I want to get into some other things. But one thing that is so wonderful for me is the fact that we serve a big God. And I, I think sometimes we take that for granted. We, we like, okay, we serve God, but we don't always think about that. But the magnitude of who God is and the significance of who he is, the power of who he is and what he's all about. I, I truly believe that if we had a very deep residual awareness and we were overcome with the fact that God is and has the magnitude that he has, it would affect us hugely. I think in many ways, we're a lot like Peter. You know, Jesus got out and invited him to step over the side of the boat and to walk to him. And so he got out of the boat and he was looking at Jesus. 
and he was acting on the invitation and he started to do some stuff and he was able to walk on the water towards Jesus. But the moment he took his eyes off Jesus and started having a look at his reality and the storms and the winds and the waves and everything that was happening, all of a sudden he started to sink. I'm a very big believer in this. Don't take your eyes off God. In the world in which we're living in right at the moment, it's very easy to put our focus and our intentions and, and what we're looking at and what we talk about onto the situation. And the problem with it is the more you look at the situation and the more that you talk about the situation, the greater it grows in magnitude. And before you know it, you have a very big problem and a very small God. What changes the paradigm is if we start to feed ourselves differently. About three years ago, maybe even longer, I made a decision and I was like, I'm not watching the news anymore. Because it's addictive and it sucks you in. And the horrible thing about it is, number one, it's always negative. Number two, there's never a resolution to anything. You just go in and the world is full of corrupt, untruthful people who seem to get away with all kinds of stuff. Every time you look at things, it's a deplorable situation. And so I thought, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. And my life has been so much better for it. I'm not oblivious to what's going on. I'll click on and I'll have a look at the headlines so I'm aware of what's happening. But I don't get sucked into the world. Because I don't want my view to be that. I don't want my perspective on life to be absorbed by everything that's going on around me. Because what ends up happening is all we all ever do is talk about the problems and the challenges. We don't talk enough about the big God that we have. We don't talk enough about the God who is the I am that I am, who is the one who's more than enough, who is our all sufficiency. If we became more aware of that, it would change our perspective and our view on things and we'd have a completely different approach to life. There are too many Christians that I come in contact with who feel as though they've been run over by life. We were called to be overcomers, more than conquerors, influencers, transformers. That's what we're called to be. But we don't do that as long as we're conforming and behaving like the world does. So God calls us to do some things and he calls us to make some changes. One of the things that we touched on is the reality that the creator is always outside of the creation. You're not going to find Henry Ford in your F-150. He's not inside there. He created it, and you can go in, and you can have a look at the vehicle, and you can see all his handiwork and everything that was created, and you can sit and say, Ford was a great guy. He did an incredible job. But he's outside of his creation. Okay, Steve Jobs is outside of the iPhone. You're not going to find him in there. But you can see his handiwork in there. The creator is always outside of the creation. When God created the universe, when he created the heavens and the earth, when he created everything in it, including you and I, he is outside of what he created. The reason that it is important and has significance for us is because what it does is we are natural people. And anytime we live in the creation what ends up happening is we encounter inhibitions, uh, limitations, and, and controls. We can't do anything we want to do as long as you're operating with the created. When you operate with the creator, all of a sudden, those boundaries and those limitations are freed and you can do a lot more stuff. Amen. 
So when we look at that, part of the reason that our relationship with God is so powerful is because what I'm capable of doing in the natural, what I can do in and of myself has limitations. No matter how good you are, how great you are, how skilled you are, how educated you are, how knowledgeable you are, everybody has a boundary. And once you hit that threshold, that's, that's the max. I'm at the limit. The only thing that can take you beyond the limit is God as the creator. So it becomes important for us because we understand that we operate in a realm that has been created and we have a relationship with the creator. So if you want to have meaningful influence in this space, get connected to this person. If you want to have influence in a world which is natural and subject to change, go to the source of it, which is spiritual. Anytime you adopt something which is spiritual and you introduce it into the natural, it brings about change because everything that was created had its root in spirit. So it becomes really important for us. This dichotomy and realizing who we are and where we live and our relationship with God becomes important because as we navigate life, we're always looking for matter to live by. As long as you're in the world, you need some stuff. You need money, you need ability, you need talents, you need work ethic, you need some stuff. It's the same in a spirit realm. If you don't have some spiritual material, what are you going to use? We just think things are going to happen, but they don't just happen that way. So it becomes really important that we understand we're doing both. Please understand this. I don't for a moment mean to suggest that what we do in the natural isn't consequential and valuable. Don't be a buffoon. <laughs> if you live in the natural, it's, it's just funny. It's just like, it, you're talking about somebody the other day, and it was like, they haven't had a job for an extended period of time. And I, I, I was talking to the, this particular person about the other individual, and I said, you know, the problem with it is this. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out if you don't work, you don't earn money. I don't need a deep revelation from God to figure that out. Now, if you want to ask God to give you some direction as to what job you should get, that's one thing. But you can't sit at home, not earning any income, sitting saying you don't have money to do anything, and believing that God's just going to drop it in, into your, your mailbox. Sometimes we do things that are really silly. So it's important for us to understand we're natural and we're spiritual. In, this, in the natural realm, get a good education. Understand your ability. Understand how God has blessed you. Take those things and work with it. Have a good work ethic. Don't be lazy. Get out and make some stuff happen. There's some good things to do in the natural. Do them. He's given you the ability to be able to look at situations and make good calls. But they're going, to become they're going to come times where we need direction from God. We're going to hit limitations and we want for him to take us beyond that threshold. There is a place where we work with God because we're only whole and complete when we operate together with him. Outside of him, we're one-dimensional. And nobody wants to be one-dimensional. So we, we, we have limitations. God doesn't. The other thing I want to speak to you about, which you touched on last week, which is very important, is the God who was the creator and was outside of creation made a decision to get back into creation so he could come and have relationship with you and me. And the way that he did that was the way that he created man. He created us as a vessel. 
He created us of the dust of the earth, which is our physical body, and then he breathes into us the breath of life. Man is the only created being that is spirit. Nothing else is spirit. Why? Because we have a glove on the inside of us that only God can fit in. We were created as a God vessel. We were created in our completion and, 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 and in our entirety to actually be cohesive between us and God relating to one another. That's why we were created with that. As long as the glove is empty, we live in a one-dimensional natural state. God wants to move into that space. But when he moves into that space, he's looking for us to be able to relate to him. I'm going to touch on this in a minute, but what's important is this. When God comes into creation, the place that he inhabits is within you. The kingdom is within you. It's consequential, and I'll get to it in a minute, because if we're talking about spirit matter, if you're talking about spirit being, if you're talking about spirit influence, if you're talking about relating to spirit, you're going to have to go inside, not outside. And the thing is, spirit on the inside has the ability to influence outside, but it's got to get through you. So just bear that in mind. I'm just painting a broad picture right at the moment. John chapter 4, verse 24 says, God is spirit. God is spirit. God is spirit. Most Christians, I think, would believe that. God is spirit. The question I have, and I'd, I'm just going to throw this stuff out there because like, God's been interrogating me a little bit about some of these things. And so do with it what you want. And if it's not for you, just tell your neighbor, hey, he's, he's talking to you. God is spirit. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you used spirit in your life? When was the last time when you were battling with something personally, when you were looking at your personal growth, when you were looking at your personal development, that you said, you know what, let me use something of spirit in this situation? When was the last time you had a challenge in your world, in your situation, in your school, in your country, in wherever it might be, where you sat and said, you know what, where is spirit in this? We don't always do that as people. We're very comfortable in natural. And the way that we normally default to things is we, we revert to our own abilities to be able to do stuff. And so what happens is I look at a situation and I, I'm like, okay, fine. I need to have the knowledge and the understanding about that. So I get into the news and I look at all the news reports and I get all over the place and I go to this one and to that one and we speak about it and we talk about it and I listen to the iPods and the messages and I'm getting all the information about it. I use my skills and my abilities. I write letters and I vote and I do those kinds of things. And all of those things are consequential and all of those things are important and all of those things have their place. I get my placard out and I go and stand up in the street corner and I tell people what I think about stuff. And if God tells you to do that, then you go ahead and do that. My question for you is this, but where is the spirit? We're doing a lot of stuff and we're well motivated and we're trying to change the world and we're telling everybody what they should be doing and we've got all the rationale as to how it should work and why it should work that way. And we have all the understanding and we want to engage people in debates and have discussions about things. But ultimately what we end up with is a polarized situation, a polarized nation. Why? Because I know what you believe and I just don't believe the same way. They know what I believe 
and they don't believe what I believe. But somehow I think if I can just reason with them and present a strong argument, something that's compelling, I'll be able to change who they are and I'll reconcile the gulf and the two of us will come together. And the funny thing about it is they're thinking the same thing about you. If I could just open their eyes so they could see it and you weren't so hateful and you were more loving and all-embracing, life would be so much better. The reason that people are in the situation that they're in is because what drives our life is something called beliefs. Beliefs fundamentally are of the heart. So what ends up happening is everything that comes out of my mouth is, draw, is driven by a conviction that I have on the inside of me. And I think if I'm able to present a more compelling argument to you, you'll reverse course and say, I've seen the error of my ways and now I'm stepping to the other side. I don't know if you've noticed, but over the last number of years, it really hasn't worked that way. It's actually getting more and more opposed to one another. Why? Because the only thing that can work in that situation, the only thing that can be make a meaningful inroad is something that touches and affects the heart, which is God. So if you don't have spirit in the mix, all I have is reason, understanding, strong arguments, um, compelling propositions, and hopefully you'll buy into them. And they're thinking the same thing. And both of you leave so disillusioned at the fact that the other person wasn't convinced by what you presented. If we want to change the world, if you, it starts by changing people. And the way that you change people is not through what I can do. There is only one savior. You need the Holy Spirit to be able to go in and touch a person's heart. Because when the Holy Spirit touches a person's heart, what ends up happening is the blinders on their eyes are opened and they see things differently. But until he changes the belief and the fundamentals of what's alive on the inside of us, we don't have any kind of reconciliation. That's why the spiritual dimension is very important in what we do. As the body of Christ, the answer lies in spirit, not in natural. I'm not saying don't go and do things. You should vote. And what I will tell you about voting is this. Get together with God first before you go and put your ex somewhere. Find out where it should be. Do stuff. I'm not saying don't do it. What I am saying is this. Unless we get together with God, a lot of stuff that we do, we do in the natural. And we don't get to the results that we're really looking for. That's why I'm a big believer in sitting saying, God, if we want to change this nation, you have to give the direction. You have to be the author of how it's going to work. And you need to tell me what I need to do. But when I'm obedient to him, what ends up happening is I'm following his lead. I'm marrying myself to his will. And I'm putting myself in a place where I'm allowing him to give direction. And as I move into space, I see myself as a transformer and a, a person who's able to take what he's given me and bring about change and transformation, whether it be in an ed individual, whether it be in a county, whether it be in a school or whether it be in federal government. I'm convinced that if we had a better uh, value for spirit and the efficacy of spirit, we would lean to it more. Ah, it was a bit of a tough one for me. I'll, I'll give you an example about something else I had to deal with. I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit later. But the thing about it is, don't raise hands. I think part of the challenge that we have is, this is for me. 
part of the challenge I had was for a long time, I was taught certain things. And so what ended up happening is I used to pray for things, but too many of my prayers weren't answered. And that's not a good place to be. Actually, it's a dangerous place to be because what ends up happening is you start to doubt spirit. And you start to think, I hope this works, but I don't really know if it will. Dangerous place. And so for me, one of the things that has become so consequential and something that's become so important is the importance of being able to build meaningful relationship with God and so that he gives direction and what ends up happening is when I operate out of relationship, things happen as opposed to me doing it independently. Thinking I'm being spiritual, but I'm really just being natural because I'm not dealing with spiritual matter. So it was a funny thing. A couple of weeks ago, I, there was a something had happened. There's lots of somethings and vaguenesses in these stories. But something had happened and and so um, I went to God and I was chatting to him and I said, we were talking about it was a financial situation. And I said, you know what, we really need your provision in the situation. I, it, I didn't sit down and like pray over the situation. I went to him and I was chatting to him a little bit about it. And he said to me, do you see me as your source? I said, Yes. He said, okay. He said, I'll provide. It was just weird. Just kind of what I felt on the inside of me. And I was like, okay, that's good. There was like a confidence that came up as a result of it. And the funny thing was, in the next two days, it was like 15 grand just arrived. Amen. Unexpected, nowhere. It was like, there you go. Grace came in, it was like, here we go. Things happen with God when we're able to relate to God. He's not a formula. And the thing about it is, as a church, and part of what we're doing, and something that's become increasingly strong for me, is the significance of building that relationship. It's not good enough to go to church, because that just labels me as a Christian. But if I want to be a person who has meaningful influence in a space, I've got, to, I've got to operate from relationship with him. I'm getting horribly off track here. I'm getting myself in trouble. Um, the, the thing about it is this. I think what ends up happening all too often is that we end up like the world. Because for me, I, honestly, my, my old default never used to be spirit stuff. That was like last resort. It was like I got to spirit when I exhausted all of my own capabilities and all my own understandings. I really did. But the thing is, so what you end up doing is we have a look at our situations and our circumstances, and all we do is we sit and we moan and complain about them. And we, we sound like the world. It's like we're not happy about this and that, and can you believe that this happened, and blah, 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 blah. And we're talking about all our circumstances, all of our situations. All we're doing is moaning about it, but you know what? We're just living like a conformist. Before I know it, I'm actually looking exactly like the world. That's what they do. You know why they do that? Because they don't have spirit. I have spirit. And if I would wake up and connect with spirit, something would happen. If you have a look at um, 
Second Corinthians 10 verse 3 and 4, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. We live too much in the flesh. We live too much in like what we think we should be doing and our abilities and our knowledge and our understanding. And we're so quick off the mark to run off and go start doing something rather than putting the brakes on and sitting saying, hold on a second. What is spirit in this situation? How do I engage spirit in this situation? Father, give me some direction. What do we do here? Why? Because I'm learning to live from relationship with him. And rather than just running off independently and doing something, I'm decided, no, if I want to have meaningful influence in that space, I've got to have some spirit stuff. I've got to have some spirit stuff. Um, Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 12 and 13. It's a, a part of the challenge with it is, uh, for myself, I began to realize that I don't always have a spiritual perspective on stuff. And so what ends up happening is I, I behave like the world because I deal with things like the world. But if you have a look at Ephesians, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. The rulers of darkness, um, of this age, uh, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. What is it saying? Sometimes we think our problem is the person that's sitting in office. Sometimes we think the problem is the school board. Sometimes we think the problem is all the other stuff that's going on. And what God is saying is, get into spirit. If you open your eyes to spirit, you'll understand that the individual sitting right there is not your problem. It's what's happening behind the individual that's the problem. So if you can get into spirit and start having influence in a spirit dimension, all of a sudden what ends up happening is things start to fall apart and things start to crack and things aren't the way that they used to be anymore. And you start to have a look at it and change starts to happen. Why? Because I didn't just make an appointment to go and stand in front of them and tell them what I think. I got together with God and I said, listen to me, something's got to change. How do we do this? And you know what? It might shock you, but sometimes God may sit and say to you, I don't want you to go and say anything. I'll tell you what I want you to do. You go and sit there, keep your mouth closed, and you pray in tongues. But Lord, that's not going to (laughs) work. You have to understand, I have to tell them how they're wrong. Why? Because we always think that if we do it my way and with something that I can control, things will change. And sometimes God's like, you know what? Go and walk around those walls seven times. Don't say a word. You just walk. And it's like, but God, what did you see? Are those walls and they're huge and they're enormous. And what are they supposed to do? It's so uncomfortable when we're pulled out of our control. Oh, it's uncomfortable. So it becomes really important for us to understand we live in a natural realm. And uh, as I say, there are times you've got to engage that. How you do it, honestly, I would encourage you to find out from the Holy Spirit. But there is a spirit dimension as well. The problem with it is this. The spirit realm is foolishness to the natural man. That's what the Bible says. The spirit world is foolishness. Who walks around a city for seven days and doesn't open their mouth? God invites us to do some stuff because what he's really saying is this is an opportunity for me to show up. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? We've got to make a decision. The thing is, the things of the spirit are foolishness to the natural man. So there's a responsibility on me to make some changes. 
Because if I don't make some changes and I don't uh, recognize the fact that I'm not only natural, but I'm spiritual as well, and I make a concerted effort to sit and say, I want to understand a dimension that is beyond where I am right now, because that's where God lives. That's God's reality. That's where the kingdom is. And if I don't know anything about that, and I don't know how to access it, and I don't know what it's about, and I don't know how it has influence in me or in my world, I'm ignorant of it. Then I'm just, I'm limited to the natural. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, I'm li- we're gonna read it out of the New Living Translation. But people who aren't spiritual don't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolishness to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. If we wanna engage the things of the spirit, you have to be born again. And in born, being born again, you're gonna to have to be born again. What do you mean? You have to be born again because you have to have the Spirit of God who comes and lives on the inside of you. Once you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you, he brings with him the kingdom. The kingdom is within you. The thing about it is what he wants you to understand is this. Once his life is there, you have the ability in every decision of life to decide what it is that you want to do. Do you want to defer to the spirit that's on the inside of you or are you going to lean to your own understanding the way I think something should operate? Because I can choose in that space. I don't always have to go God's way. And if I choose to go natural, what ends up happening is I I don't go spiritual. And so what ends up happening is God always says to us, the reason that I want to take of the things of mine and birth it into you is I want to introduce you to it. We have to be born of him. Our mind and our thinking needs to be conformed to the way that he sees things. We need to allow allow his life to come in and bring some meaningful changes into that place. My identity is key to influencing my situation and my world. 3 John 1 verse 2, King James Version, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Prospered, uh, Christians who are prosperous think, live, and act differently. Okay, so let's just take a step back. So we spoke last week about prosperity. This is the deal. When God says, I am holy, what he's really saying is, I am that I am. What he's saying is, I don't need any resource. I don't need anything outside of myself to survive. I'm completely self-sufficient. I am completely complete. I am self-contained and everything I ever need, everything I want is in me. God is full of himself. That's why when God creates, he doesn't create from something. He creates from who he is. He is full and complete. He is the epitome of abundant life. Okay? So he says to us, the invitation is be holy as I am holy. What he's saying is, as I am perfect, as I am whole and complete in myself, the invitation is for you to be that as well. You're not capable of doing that outside of me. So it's an invitation to relationship. What he's saying is, here you are. There's a source to your life. What is it going to be? The epitome of abundant life and holiness? Or do you want to go into your world to discover it? 
But when I sit and I say, fine, I want to partake of abundant life, what I'm doing is I'm creating God as the source of my life. When God is the source of my life and God is the creator of all things, I position myself in a much better place of having influence in this world than if I go to this world to find fulfillment and happiness and all that I'm supposed to be, my empowering and my enabling, and I think I'm going to make more changes in this world than I can do with God. Anytime I go to him to participate in who he is and I allow who he is to flood my world and flood my life, what ends up happening is I end up as a prosperous person. I end up prospering, not because of me, but because of him. He fills me. I, I, I've come to give them life and life more abundantly. What is he saying? I'm calling you to be holy. I'm calling you to be whole and complete in yourself the minute that you link with me. That becomes so important for us because the thing is, here's a bit of a kicker. I had to sit down when I saw this. Just, just digest it, okay? You have a spiritual responsibility to be prosperous because if you're not prosperous, we limit God. Come on. Come on now. Let me, we think of prosperity, take prosperity simply out of the, the financial world and look at it holistically. Body, soul, spirit, mind, intellect, emotions, in your entirety and who you are, God wants for you to be fully provided. The challenge with it is this. Anytime we're at a place where we are not fully provided, we put ourselves in a situation where we compromised. If you're comfortable in who you are and you're established abundantly in who God has called you to be, you can walk into some situations where people will be ugly to you and call you names and call you everything under the sun. And you know what? It really doesn't matter. You know why it doesn't matter? Because I'm established on something solid. When I'm not established on something solid, what ends up happening is I can't take it if somebody says something about me. I start to fall to pieces. If you're not established on a solid foundation, I'm always wobbly. That's why we have in a modern context, safe zones. Why? Because we have people, too many people that have been encouraged and indulged to build their lives on a very wobbly foundation. And when my life's on a wobbly foundation and somebody says boo to me, I fall apart all of a sudden. Why? Because I'm not on something solid. When you built on something solid, when you build your life on who he called you to be and what you're all about, it puts you in a place where you're solid and established in that. We are called to be prosperous. When you're prosperous, it doesn't only change your natural environment, but it changes your disposition to life. Amen. Let me give you a simple example. So if you were brought up on the really bad side of a city and you had nothing, and every day was a struggle. What would happen is you would grow up in that environment and your interpretation of life and what life was all about was like, I am working really hard just to get by. I just want to make sure that I can eat today. My disposition to life is one of survival. When I go into places, I don't feel that I am necessarily as good as people who come from the better side of town. What's happened? 
My environment and my world does not only affect my physical abilities and my physical um, uh, resources, but it starts to affect me psychologically and the way that I interpret my self-value. Compare that to somebody like Prince William. Born into everything, abundance, as prosperous as can be. I'm not, listen to mindsets. What happens is when you grow up in that environment, you grow up with a disposition that every time you walk into a circumstance in a situation, it's like, I can see what the solution is here. We've got this that can do that. They walk about with people and they have a sense of authority about them. It's okay to do this. I'm expecting that to happen. Why? Because I have the resource behind me. I have the ability behind me and I have the will to be able to make some stuff happen. Prosperity changes us completely. When I'm established in, the, in, in who he is, in holiness, what I'm doing is I'm establishing myself and my identity in something that's whole and complete, which affects my ability to live from a place of authority. Because why? It's not about me. It's because I'm grounded and rooted in the I am that I am. Every time I walk into a situation, it's about, don't worry about me. This is not about me and what I can do, but I am that I am is with me. All of a sudden, the resource that's available to me is, is, affects me in a far more dramatic way. Oh, I'm running out of time. Um, okay, so this is, I've made the statement before, and I don't actually think I, I really explained it very well, so I want to try and explain this. Help me, Lord. God doesn't create from what he has. He creates from who he is. He's self-contained. It's important. Your identity with God is more important to God than what you have. God is going to produce through who you are, not what you have. The reason that your identity is important to God was because when he created man, he said, let us make man in our image so he can reflect our likeness. What he was saying was, who you are becomes really important because who you are becomes the gateway to what your world looks like. Let me show you practically what happens. In the natural, you don't live from who you are, you live from what you have. So what ends up happening is you get born in the world and you got nothing. So what happens is we start to build up and amass things and wealth and resource. We go to school so we can get an education, so I can have knowledge, so I can have understanding, so I can have some insight into things. I go and get experience as I age and I experience different things, so I have experience. I'm accumulating a lot of things. And the more that I have, whether it be money or knowledge or experience or skill, all that I have enables me to do. The more that I have... And the more that I have is refined and skilled, the better I can do what I'm doing. Because I'm living from the natural. But the spirit is completely different. So when I'm dealing with spirit things, it's completely different. So I have to take that world and put it aside and understand how spirit works. So I spoke to you in the beginning about the fact that God came outside of creation and he came into creation and he came and he resides on the inside of who you are. So what's living on the inside of you is I am that I am. What's living on the inside of you is perfection, abundant life, the full sufficiency of everything. 
That's what's on the inside of you. The kingdom is within you. The thing about it is, the way that the kingdom comes from the inside to the outside is through you. The way that God takes of his substance and introduces it into our world is through you. So what ends up happening is God needs a gateway. He needs a channel to take what he has on the inside of us and to bring it out. You are the channel. The thing about it is I connect with God in that space. And what I do is I allow him and who he is to have influence in my life so that I can partner with him. When I can partner with him, I become an open channel to take that and introduce it to my world. How I take the things of the kingdom is through relationship. It's about who I am. It's relating to the life that's on the inside of me. In the natural, it's about what I have. In the spirit, it's about who I am. That's the way God's chosen to do it. So as I relate to the spirit of God on the inside of me, what ends up happening is he takes of what is his and he begins to inform and change us. I was going to read you. Hold on. Let me just see what that verse is. I'll tell it to you now. 1 John 5 verse 4. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So the question is this. Do you see yourself as an overcomer? In the natural, you probably don't. So what ends up happening is the only way that I can become an overcomer is by going to him and relying on him to give me that identity. Not because I'm an overcomer in myself, but I'm an overcomer because I'm connected to the epitome of abundant life. I'm connected to the I that I am that I am because I'm connected to all sufficiency. And he says, as a result of me with you, you are more than an overcomer. When I move into that place, it positions me to live from that space. My identity is so important. I had a bit of a shock this week. So I've, I've been dealing with, like, it's not a bad thing, but like something for me and my personal growth with God. And... Um, it's kind of like places that you want to go. And I haven't been able to get to where I wanted to go. And so I was chatting to him about it. And he, oh, you won't believe what he said to me. He said, you know why? He said, because you don't trust me. In that space, you don't trust me. And I was like, I mean, at first I was a bit indignant. <laughs> it's just like, I'm a pastor. <laughs> what do you mean I don't trust you? I mean, I know how this works. I know what the formula is. I know how to get everything together. I know exactly how to connect with you. I understand the principles. I understand the layout. I understand, the, I understand everything. And he said, the thing about it is, in that place I came to the realization that for God, mechanics are not nearly as important as trust. You know he's inside you. You know we connect. You know all the stuff. But you know what it's like? It's like going and it's getting like your air compressor. And you plug it into the wall. And you're all, because that's how it works. And you pick up your air gun. And you got your staples in it. And you're ready to go. And you know what? Nothing. No. Why? Because you didn't put the power on. Wow. 
Trust is power. God doesn't work with us just because you know mechanics. God works with us because I'm able to hit the switch for my life and sit and say, I'm going to invest my trust in you. When you invest your trust in him, things happen because you just hit the power. Being able to sit and say that the greater one lives on the inside of me and I live by faith and I, you can know everything. Where's the faith? Uh, where's the trust? This was such a shock to me. We, we have to be so careful. I will tell you this. I think a big blind spot in American society is this. We've raised a functional generation. And the problem with it is, let me explain what I mean by that. Let me just take you on a little bit of a journey. What I think a big part of the reason that made America superpower is because we have such a strong work ethic. It's a big contributor to it. It's a really good thing. It's not a bad thing. The challenge with it is this. There's nothing wrong with work and all the other sides of things. The problem with it is we can focus so much on production and delivery and work and all the functional aspects that what we do is we discount those things that are more an emotional set. Who needs that? That's not important. So what ends up happening is I grow and develop the functional aspects to who I am, which is good. We need them. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The problem with it is we never develop the other sides of things. So what, when we enter the kingdom uh, and, and we're trying to connect with God, what happens is God says, I'm not really interested in your function. Where's your trust? Can you speak to me a little bit about your confidence? The things that motivate the kingdom are outside of function. The things that motivate the kingdom are things like faith, trust, belief, confidence. It, they're not things that are tangible, functional things. But we've lived in a society for a long time that has discounted that because what's the value of them? At least if I work hard, I can see delivery. I don't know what the value of that stuff is. But in God's economy, the fact of the matter is those are the things that power the kingdom. It powers relationship between you and him. And that's why we have so many Christians that are working really hard for God. And God's like, I'm not looking for your work. I'm looking for your trust. Can you trust me? A big part of the reason I think we struggle so much to see the things of God is because we don't trust him. I can tell you that because he said it to me. So if I'm in that boat, you can all climb in as well. So we begin to realize that. Um, let me just touch on one thing. Can I just touch on one thing and then we'll, I'll, I'll let you go. Um, as people, when we engage with the natural realm, we get what we have and we live from what we have. With God, the way that we connect with God is we relate to God, relationship. When we relate to God and we empower it through trust and belief, we open the doorway for him to do some stuff in our life. The thing that he's going to do in our life is something called faith. 1 John 5 verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. 
Relationship is important. Relating to God gives us an idea as to three key, th- key, three key components that'll be helpful for us. Relating to him, number one, gives us understanding of who he is and that realm. It gives us the ability to engage it, and it gives us the ability to live from it as a source. There, the, the, what it results in is something called faith. Faith is substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. There are two important components to it. One is ability or resource, and the second one is will. You've got to have both. So, for example, you can have somebody who has ability or resource. I've got a big bank account. I know you're in need, but I'm not willing to give you any money. I have the ability. I just don't have the will. You have other people who have the will, but not the ability. I'm as generous as can be, but I don't even have a bank account. So I've got nothing to give you. So that doesn't help you either. It's really important that you have both ability or resource and will. Both of those things combined. Now, you can have both of them combined as a concept, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's applicable or relevant to you. So, for example, if you have a philanthropist, you know there's a philanthropist who has a heart towards things. Because he's a philanthropist, he comes with money. Not only does he come with money, but he comes with a will to do things to affect his world. That's why he's called a philanthropist. So although you know he has the ability and you know he has the will, there's no guarantee he's giving anything to you. Right? Okay. In the natural world, what ends up happening is when we have ability or resource and we have the will to do something, it translates into something called confidence. So, for example, if, I, if I'm walking into a situation and somebody is sitting saying to me, I'll tell you what, can you do me a favor? Can you just go, go over there and move that chair? I can move in there with confidence because I know, number one, I have the ability. And secondly, because I like the person, I have the will. So there is a confidence on the inside where I can walk in there and say, don't worry about it. You know, um, Vivi, maybe you can't. I can do this. I've got confidence. From a spiritual perspective, this is what ends up happening. If we begin to understand and recognize and live from a true relationship with God as the I am that I am, the God who is all-sufficient, we know that he has the ability to do something. The thing is, we may even know that God has the will to do something. And that's why the Logos is important. Because what the Logos does is it gives us an understanding as to who God is. It gives us a character portrait of God. But then you've put him very much in the position of being like the philanthropist. You know he can, and you know he also has a will to do it. The the place that most Christians stumble is, but will he do it for me? So you've got to hear something from him. That's why the rhema and relating to God becomes so important. Because if I can't relate to God, the challenge with it is I really don't have divine confidence, which is called faith. Why? Because I I know potentially he has the ability to do it, but it's the philanthropist. But the philanthropist has never said to me, I'm going to do it for you. It's when you meet with God and he says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the money that you need. Just wait and see. Why can you stand on that with a sense of divine confidence called faith, even though I can't see it? 
The thing that I can hold on to and the reason it's important for me is because I heard it from him. And it's like, I haven't seen anything, but I got divine confidence because I know he's got the ability and he's given me the fact that he's willing to do it for me. So I'm looking for it. God is incredible God. He is so much bigger than we ever, ever realized. And if we think the world and creation is big, if you just like start to delve into the world of God, it'll overwhelm you. He's wonderful. Spend more time focusing on him and what he's all about. Everything that has to do with God has to do with spirit. Make an intention to sit and say, fine, you know what? I want intention. I want spirit to be a part of who I am, part of my, the, the driver behind personal growth and development and the driver behind how I live my life. There are things that you can do in the natural, but all of them come with boundaries. Ultimately, you're going to hit some kind, of, some, some kind of a point where it's like, I'm maxed out here. God will never do what you're capable of doing. He calls you beyond the boundary. And the reason he does that is because the only way you can get there is with him. He wants you to do that because then the two of you can do something in relationship. Understand that the way that we make meaningful inroads in this country is not that you necessarily have to stop doing anything in the natural, but if you don't engage the spirit, you're going to be in trouble because then we're no different to the world. That which is born of God overcomes the world. If I have nothing born of God, I've got nothing to overcome the world with. My logic, my intellect, my abilities, my skills, my knowledge, my everything else, my good looks and my healthy personality isn't going to get me there. I need somebody who at a grassroots level is going to affect the fundamentals of things. Sorry I, I, I took you so long. Um, let me just pray over you. Father, I just want to thank you right now for every single person here and every person who's watching. I want to thank you that you are everything that we need you to be. I pray, Father, that you give us a deep revelation. Just flood our lives with a small understanding of your capacity and your ability. The fact that you are abundant life. Unlimited. That you are fully self-contained. Perfectly perfect completely complete. Everything that we could ever need is within you. I want to thank you, Father, that as the, as the great creator, you've made a decision to live on the inside of us. I pray that you will begin to help us to learn how to connect and relate to you on the inside of us. Give us the ability to be able to live from that space and allow your spirit to have influence in who we are, touching us, transforming us, changing us into your image. I want to thank you, Father, that as we partner with you, you open the eyes of our understanding so we recognize what it is that you're doing and we make ourselves available as a vessel to be used by you to touch, change, and transform our world. I thank you for opportunities this week for every person. I pray, Father, that you just lead them and guide them. I pray for encounters with you that are transformational. Bless you for it now, in Jesus' name. Amen.